Uh, I am excited to be here. I love this. This weather is great. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad to have it. I am tired of having to wish I could wear nothing. Is that that bad? <laughs> it's hot. It's been hot. So thank goodness for this, uh, this weather. I'm also enjoying this message series that we're, we've been in. Have, has it been helping? You guys have been here? I, I've, I am just, God, I love how when I go down a, 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 a lane or an alley, uh, that, man, God just makes things even more clear. And I just love spending time with the Lord in, in that aspect especially. Uh, but I also want to tell you today about child dedications and baby dedications. If you haven't yet, I want to encourage you to register so that we can, you, you can dedicate your child to the Lord like Hannah did in uh, coming to the temple and bringing young Samuel. She, she told Lord, Lord, if you just give me a child, I'll dedicate him to you. And the Lord did answer that, re- that prayer, and I think that's a, great, a good example for all of us to have children. Lord, we just want to dedicate these children to you, that they serve you, they grow up to know you, and we just want to be parents and be in a body that will help us foster that relationship towards you, Father, because I can't do much without you. And I think if you've parented, you realize it's really hard, and you need others, and you need the Mr. Scotts around, and you need the... The, the children's ministry around, you've got to have that help, and it is rough, but thank God he has grace and he has mercy in those areas, and uh, we need the help from our father, and so uh, they're going to need the help. I love to say that my kids are not mine. They are in my, in my leadership, under my leadership for me to steward to God the Father, and I'm here to model the best relationship that I possibly can as God the Father, a father in their life. So one day they'll meet God the Father on their own, and I can back away and he can take over. And that's relief right there. I don't want to have a 30-year-old child. <laughs> All right. So anyway, if you, if you want to not have a 30-year-old child, <laughs> come, come, or a 21-year-old child, and all the mothers are saying, hey. All right, so we're in our series, uh, By the Grace of God, and by the grace of God, and it all is. I think with more you start, we start to understand God loves us so much, even the, I love these songs, the gyra, uh, you know, what more, what more could he do for us, really? What, we don't hold him up, and so we can't let him down. Oh, my gosh. And it's so true. You know, it's just not words. It is so, it is so true. Uh, you gotta, we have to remember that nobody comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit leads them to Jesus, and so even when you're unknown in your own mind, Jesus, the Father knows you, Jesus is here for you, or has come for you, and the Holy Spirit is trying to guide you to Jesus. That's, that's love right there, trying to, get, get, trying to guide you towards salvation continually because he's working all things according to the purposes of his will, and it's God's will that every one of his children come home, and that home is in him. And so, man, I, I love that. We're building off of that. We're building off of those understandings. If you haven't been here, you can always go back. And I thank you guys for watching online who can't be here. You can always go back and listen or watch on version. You have, I think we're on Spotify, uh, podcast, um, sorry, YouTube, and livewithpurpose.church. Our Facebook, there's plenty. Like, you have no excuse. Like, you got no excuse to not understand because we're, we're, great, we're, we're delivering some great manna up here. Let me just tell you. But you got to eat. Uh, you can lead a horse to water. Guy walks in. Why the long face? Never mind. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about this week about empowering grace, the empowering grace. I'm going to give you some parameters, some, some, some uh, perspectives on the empowering grace of God. And, and it's not 
See, sometimes we think when we talk about grace, it's just salvation. Uh, grace is not, salvation is not the fullness of grace, but within salvation, there's a lot of grace. So post-salvation, boy, there's a lot more grace than you even could understand pre-grace, uh, pre-salvation. And so I, I, we're talking about that, and today I want to talk to you about how much grace empowers you. Now, uh, grace empowers you in many, many, many facets, uh, but I'm going to give you seven today so that you understand how much access you actually have to further your spiritual journey, your spiritual walk, your intimacy with Christ, and that's what it's all about. That's what he's here for. And so uh, we've spoken a lot about the book of John in the last couple of weeks, but now I want to turn to the book of Galatians. I want to turn to where Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Galatia, the and when Apostle Paul says the church of Galatia, it's many, many churches throughout the nation, the, the prior nation of Galatia. Galatia is not, not existent except for through the modern-day country of Turkey. So when you think about Galatia, where is that? It's Turkey today. Uh, it's not Thanksgiving. It is the nation of Turkey. Some of you are like, man, just get me the turkey buffet. I'm hungry. <laughs> Turkey, it's about the size of Oklahoma. And so Paul is writing back to the churches. He was a missionary sent on journey to establish the church by Christ himself through an encounter. And Paul is, has gone. He's established. He set leaders in place to bring order to the church. And he finds out that there has been a confusion, another teaching, a, a misconception that has been brought to the church. And Paul, can I say it, he is ticked off. Like you can, re when you read the book of Galatians, you have to read it as a mad letter. It's like, I've had enough, I can't stand it anymore, uh, I'm going to send this email and I'm going to let them have it. Anybody ever done that? Or you typed out that text or you said, I can't even, my, my thumbs are shaking too much, I'm just going to speak it auto-dictate. And then it's got all kind of blurbs and extra language in there and then, you're like, I'm about to send it, and the Holy Spirit says, don't. And then you delete all three paragraphs of it, and then you say, it's all good, brother. I love you so much, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul forgot the last part. He's like, well, the writing's already on the, on the, on the papyrus. I'm going to send it. And so the reason he's mad is because Paul was once a very religious, legalistic leader, and he was pursuing Christ, the Christians to kill them, to throw them in jail. This was the heart of Paul. He, was, he hated this gospel of grace, this person of Jesus, and he was going to prove by physical force that it should not exist, and legalism, the law, was the way. Well, on his way in doing this, he was in, heading to Damascus, and he had an encounter with Jesus. He has an encounter with Jesus that changes his life, and then, uh, and then Jesus leads him to an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so all of this began to change the way Paul saw life, saw God, understood God, and God literally shifted Paul from a legalist, religious legalistic individual to literally known to be known as the apostle of grace. And so he's mad because the Judaizers have come in behind his gospel of grace and started convincing the church of, of Galatia that they have to have both. They have to obey some, the law 
and they have to obey, then understand, then accept Jesus Christ in the New Testament. So they were creating conflict, especially amongst the Gentiles of Galatia, and Peter was involved in this thing. So literally, here was the drill. They were saying, no, you still have to be circumcised and believe in Christ. Well, that's not a very, could you imagine us, hey, we're having next steps on the third, thir- third Sunday of the, week, of the month, and uh, at the end of it, if you choose to be a member, there's going to have to be a line for circumcision. That's not how you grow a church. In fact, that's how you shrink a church. <laughs> that's how you have a church full of women, and that's it. No, no men are coming to the church. Husbands are like, I'll be out in, the, out in the driveway, in the parking lot, let me know when it's done. Yeah, that's not happening. But aren't you glad it's not what we do? And so Peter, who was set free from the law, went back to the law because the Judaizers had come in and had actually pressured him to come back to this way, to find this middle ground between Old Testament law and New Testament grace, Christ's belief in Jesus. And so because of Peter's influence, because he's a super apostle, because of his influence, he was also confusing the Gentiles who had come to Christ in Galatia. And so it was causing a lot of dissension within the church. And I can say Paul was ticked. And let me show you. Galatians 3, 1 says this. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by, by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after, being, after beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you not experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? Verse 5, so again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law, or your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand, understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. He's speaking to Gentiles and Jews. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. This is good news because any Jews in here? We're all Gentiles. And so thank God that God chose to justify you and I by faith in Christ Jesus and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. So what Abraham was announced, what was announced to Abraham was for a benefit for one day for you and I. To Abraham, all nations will be blessed by, by you, whatever it is. <laughs> so those who rely on faith are blessed along, let me tell you what it said, all nations are blessed through you. So those who rely on the faith are blessed. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. It's a lot of weight. Like, you've got you to obey and fulfill all 600 plus laws in order to be accepted. Not happening. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. Verse 12. The law is not based on faith, is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. So here Paul is saying, when I came and I preached to you and you believed in Jesus, did you also receive the Holy Spirit by law or by grace? And the answer is obvious. It's a rhetorical question. By grace. Of course, you you received him by grace. 
So why then are you now trying to go and earn something in your own flesh and trying to obey a law that was meant to guide you back to grace? It doesn't make any sense. And so he is saying, if you go back to the law, then you have to keep the whole law. But if you break one law, you're under a curse. But thanks be to God, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole or a tree, and the cross was a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing giving, given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. This is good news. The blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise which is the Holy Spirit. So I want to give you a sevenfold empowerment of grace that is provided by a blessing, through the blessing of Abraham, our father of faith, for those Gentiles and Jews who are in Christ Jesus. Is that good news? So the, Jew, the Abraham is mentioned several times in here. And Abraham was before the law. Abraham believed God for something that God said that God would do in Abraham's life. And because of the belief in God based on what he said, Abraham was accounted a righteous man. Abraham was in existence and all this took place before the law ever came about. So Abraham is the father of all those who would be faithful or have faith in God. And God said to Abraham, through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now the Jews, the Jews have brought us Jesus, the greatest man in the history of the world, undoubtedly. The Jews have brought us the Bible, the greatest book in all the history of the earth. The Jews have brought us the church, the greatest organization in all the history of the world. Hands down, through Abraham, all of the nations have been blessed. There's that access and availability to blessings for all the nations, but it doesn't necessarily mean that all the nations have received that blessing. So there's an account that can be drawn from. There's a life that can be accessed. There's an empowerment that is available, but not every individual and every nation has received what has been already set aside for their lives. That ought to say, what more can I have? Well, let me tell you. The world has been blessed through the seed of Abraham because of what Christ did on the cross, because of the faith that Abraham had in God, seeing, foreseeing one day God would follow through. And Christ came so that he could read, he could in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. What was the blessing? Genesis 24.1 says, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in some things. The blessing is Abra of Abraham is a promise that comes with a blessing in all things. So to be blessed is not God's perfect will. 
To be mostly blessed is not God's perfect will. To be blessed in all things is God's perfect will according to his word and according to what has already been promised and provided by those who are of the faith as Abraham was of the faith. So Jesus didn't come to pay for your sins. Jesus didn't come to, bur- to break the curse of sin. Jesus came to die for your sins and to break the curse of the, sins, curse of the sins so that you could fulfill, you could live in the full blessing that's provided by, through Abraham. For all the blessed, to be all blessed, to be blessed in all things, this is why Christ came. Yes, for your sins, yes, to break the curse, so that you can be blessed in all things. So Jesus came. I love it too. Jesus came for this. This, it, it, was a, it was a genetic blessing, and the only beneficiaries were genetic Jews. But because of what Christ did on the cross, he made a way for the Gentiles, as we see to the, written to the church in Galatia, the Gentiles, so that because of what Jesus did, he broke the curse so that the, and of the, the curse of the law, so that the genetic blessing could now flow supernaturally through all of those who are in by faith in Christ. This is good news. This is really good news. So I want to tell you about these empowerments of that grace provides through the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus left, he promised, and he did send us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. And guide our lives according to God's perfect will, should we follow. And I love this. Should we follow. Look at this in John 16 and 7. Nevertheless... I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. John 14 says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. And we'll be in you. This is good news. The Holy Spirit is here to bring us into the full blessing of Abraham. At the end of this message, I'm hoping that you will start to understand how rich and blessed and wealthy you truly are. In fact, you're among the the most wealthy in all the earth because of what you have available and have access to should you be so so willing to receive. The number one thing that you need to know that you have access to is personal nurturing and comfort. I'm going to read this out of the authorized English version because of a word that it uses instead of helper, which it also helps to shape. In the Greek, whenever we transliterate over to English, we have to use multiple words to help shape our understanding to what the actual original language truly means. And it still comes up short. Uh, It says, if ye love me, and I'm not... (laughs) What's the guy? What's the, what's, the, what's the Tigger? What's his name? Anybody know Winnie the Pooh and Tigger? Okay. You're going you're gonna to relate to him. If he, love, if he love me, keep my commands, commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. And this is not something that you roll over and you steal from your spouse whenever it's cold at night. It's not the thick thing on top of your bed. That's not it. That's not the thing that sometimes your wife removes it so that you don't get it dirty, dudes, because... You come in, lay down, and go to bed. Not that. That's not the comforter he's talking about. That he may abide with you forever. And here it comes. Next. 
even the spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive, because seeth him not, neither knoweth, you know, you know how Tigger talks? You want to think about Tigger? But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. You need to know he's not going to leave you comfortless. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. I will come to you. This word comforter or helper is parakletos. It means to come alongside, one who comes alongside. In, 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 uh, it's parakletos. It means one who comes alongside you. And here's what he wants to do. This is why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit in promise to dwell within you and with you to guide you should you choose to allow and should you choose to follow, to receive and follow. So he's coming alongside and he's helping you with making decisions. He's comforting you in your times of need and your brokenness and your hurts and your wounds and your misunderstandings. He's comforting you there, but he's also helping you in direction and vision and understanding and clarity. And he's, he's guiding you in all things. This is what he's here for. And a lot, oftentimes he's just waiting. I'm right here if you need me. I'm right here. And I'm here. Don't forget that I'm here. Remember Jesus sent me? Yeah, Jesus promised me. I'm the one. I'm, I'm the, it's me. It's one. God, he's got neon signs and we're still just lamenting and fretting. And I can't believe it. Sending those texts and... Writing those emails. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. But in Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Here's my question. Did God create women in his image? Terry's like, yes. Thanks sure did. Tell me otherwise. Be up on that platform in a minute. Yes, he did. So we see that there is a nurturing nature of God. There is a side of God that is very nurturing, very comforting, very consoling even because he's also called our counselor. And so it's interesting in Genesis 2 that the word helper, whenever God created woman, a helper, a helpmate, is the same word and the same, same description as the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that what the wife, the woman can come and do in a household to change the dynamic of the house is to come in with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we're, when we're about to do something stupid, they just come in and say, hey, wait, 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 you don't have to do that. That's probably not going to be the best response. Hey, what if, have you thought about, and it just calms us down, like it just comforts us in our anger and our angst and our, and like I just want to slam something, or, and it just, it just kind of, it's like, it, oh, you're right, that was stupid. I don't even know what I was even thinking. And in a healthy environment, that's the helper, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. Whenever we get saved, when Jesus becomes our Lord, and we have intimacy, and we build relationship with him. When we truly come to Christ, we have God as a father. And he becomes a very intimate protector, provider. His presence is always with us. And at the same time, when we're next, after salvation, willing to receive the Holy Spirit, because Christ, so the Holy Spirit baptizes us in the blood, in the Christ, in Christ. This is biblical. This is the theological. And then Christ says, oh, I can't wait to go so I can send you a helper because I want to, should you receive, I want to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Like they just, they're always trying to lead each other, somebody to the other one. He shows us how selfless to be. Oh, no, I want to tell you about the Father. No, I want to tell you about Christ, the Son. I want to tell you about the Holy Spirit. They're just always trying to get us to interact with one another. 
Here's what you need to know. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you also receive the nurturing nature of God. And you need to know that because we need to be comforted. And when we're living it, we're, we're, and life is hard, and it gets tough, and it gets challenging, and it gets difficult, and we don't like the things, that, and we want to write those emails, and we want to send those texts, and we want to body slam somebody or choke slam by somebody or run, or run somebody off the road, or I heard this uh, mess, uh, something happened decades ago, or we want to drive our, our truck through a building. The comforter comes along and says, I've got a different I've got a different approach. And we need to be comforted, and we need to be nurtured, and we need to know that there is a way, and there's a way that will bless God and bless others. And when the Holy Spirit came, he didn't come as a hawk. He, doesn't come, he didn't descend upon Jesus like an eagle. He came as a dove, ever so gentle, descending, making himself known in a gentle in a comforting way. No one comforts our deepest pains like the Holy Spirit. In fact, when we deserve him the least, he comes in with the greatest measure of grace and gives us things we don't even deserve. And he melts your heart. So number one, a personal nurturing and comfort. Number two, a spiritual grace. Acts 1.8 says, but, when you, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power. Dunamis, this word in the Greek is dunamis. You will receive dunamis. Dynamite is where we get it. Like, JJ, dynamite. Like, he's talking about dunamis. This is what you will receive when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So literally, God gives us this spiritual grace so that we are able to receive undeservedly. Nobody receives, nobody deserves that spiritual grace. But because we're willing to humble ourselves and it's about his will and not our will, he will come upon us and empower us to do greater things that we can. In fact, he empowers us to do the acts of God here on earth. Really good news. And there's a delusion that salvation and spirit baptism happen at the same time. And indeed, you can see throughout in the New Testament, there are two separate events. There's a blood baptism, which is in Christ. There's a water baptism, which is by disciples. And then there is a Holy Spirit baptism, which Christ then comes and does for us. You can go back next, last July, last August, and we, or two, two Julys and Augusts ago, we did that. We had a great message series, partnered up on that. You're going to love it. But you need to know about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's something powerful that takes place when you get to sit down and do life with the author, the person who authored and performed the miracles and testimonies that we get to read about in the Bible. And that's the person we get to do life with, the Holy Spirit. He's the author. Good news, he's also the finisher. That's the person we get to walk with. And number three, you get emotional grace. Emotional grace. We talked about it. Galatians 5, 22, 23 says the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And you don't have to worry about the law when you're walking in those things. Before this, he's talking about a carnal, the carnal and a fleshly person is all about factions and division, dissensions, anger, bitterness, resentment, fleshly activity. And he says you can depend on the fallen nature, your flesh, or you can depend on the Holy Spirit. You can write that text and email and regret it later, or you can say, it's all right, brother. I love you too. The Holy Spirit is the oil of the engine of your emotions. 
and your car runs really well as long as it has oil in it. And it can go through a lot, and it can get to high speeds, and it can go for long distances. But whenever, whenever your, your car runs out of oil, that engine's going to lock up really quick. And that's your emotions. When you do life, and you're going through the trials and the ups and downs and the frustrations of relationships and situations and, and job and marriage and finance and everything encompassing, and you don't have the oil of the Holy Spirit, those emotions get hot a lot of velocity, a lot of viscosity, and it is burning up inside, and it's going to come out. That carnal nature will spew all over everyone. One of my greatest prayers is, Lord, help me. Give me an emotional grace. Holy Spirit, let your oil fill me up. Because, man, in and of myself, I can be as carnal and fleshly and upset and, and frustrated as the next individual who's lost. I need the oil of the Holy Spirit. You know, they say the church is great till people show up. <laughs> they say, and I heard teachers say, the school is great until kids get here. I've got another one, but I ain't saying it. <laughs> but that's one of my biggest prayers. Listen, we're human. There's, you can be as spiritual as, as spirits can be, but there's still a fleshly side to every human. And this fleshly side keeps us dependent upon the Holy Spirit and intimacy and relationship so that we can stay and we can abide. And this is the heart of God. He wants to bear all fruit. He wants to bless us in all things so that we bear good fruit to show the world, to glorify the Father, so we identify as disciples, so that he can bless us in all of these things. This is huge. It's access. We have access to this. And all he's saying is, would you just receive? We work and work and work. And he's saying the law didn't work. Would you just receive? Number four is a physical grace. Romans 8 and 11 says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What he's saying is, hey, if, if the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, don't you know he can heal you? And I love doctors, and I love medicine, and I got doctor friends, and I got, med you know, that that prescribe medicine, but I think we're too doctor-happy and pill-happy and not Christ-happy. I think we run to the doctors first or run to the medicine cabinet first rather than letting the Holy Spirit be our first stop. There wasn't enough amens to that. And I believe firmly that we need to, we, you need to see a doctor if you're having issues. You, need to, you may have to have medicine, but all the while that can never replace prayer and receiving prayer and requesting prayer at the altar from friends calling up saying hey i'm in my tribe i need prayer for this starts with prayer continues with prayer and all the time i'm trusting god i'm trusting the wisdom of the doctors that he's given and i'm also trusting the, the power of god to move i'm doing both i've seen too many miracles when ali and i we travel to other countries and we're on missions trips and we're we're literally watching God heal people, seeing the acts of God being performed through us because of his grace and their faith. And we get to kind of join in and experience the, being the conduit. Why? Because they don't have options and finances to go to doctors and get medicine. It's more of, if God doesn't show up, I'm not sure how my life's going to be or how it's going to turn out. So they're flushing to the, to the altars. They're rushing to you. They're asking you for prayer. They're, they know they're needing prayer, and they are coming faithfully knowing that God's about to do something, and I'm going away different. And it might be one day that they're able to go see a doctor, and it might be that they can also go and afford medicine, but they know that's a long shot. 
God is their only sure thing. Oof, we had that. Number five, mental grace. Mental grace. John 16, 12, and 15, 12 through 15 says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. God wants to give you insight on so many things. The Holy Spirit was hovering the earth when God was creating it out of nothing. Like there was nothingness. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the entire what is now created as earth, and it was being created. Paul met, the, met Jesus on the road to Damascus and completely changed his heart from a legal religious leader into a man full of grace. I think if you have a time of need, you can come to the Holy Spirit and ask for wisdom and ask for insight, and I think he has it to be able to provide to you. But we really need to trust him. Number six, the body of Christ grace. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 19 says, For as the body is, is one and as many members, but all the members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So there's a lot of us, but we're one. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, Gentiles or Jews, hey Gentiles, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many in the foot, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Yes, it is. And no, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And if you're married, you don't have to go home. But stay gone long enough and see how life turns out. We won't burn your clothes and have your dresser on the front porch, but your spouse might. But your, li your life might turn into a dumpster fire if you're not attending church frequently. And you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to do your work in your life frequently. And if church is just not an, an, ex is an expression of what God is doing in your private time through your personal devotions with him on a daily basis, that is right. When we, mature, when we mature in Christ, church is an expression. It's an overflow of what we do Monday through Sunday in our private times with the Lord. When we're immature and we're young, we come to the church so that we can learn and get fed and get filled up for about a day and a half. But we eventually learn that that pastor can't sustain me for, a, for, a day and a half, for longer than a day and a half. And so we realize I need to foster this relationship on my own with my Heavenly Father, coming to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior with the guidance and the illumination of the Holy Spirit on His Word so that He can change my heart, change my life, and empower me the way this crazy pastor is talking about so that I don't turn into a dumpster fire. That is amen. And I, I remember there was a time in my life where I was just, I'm done. I'm done. Done. Dunsies with Jesus and church. Anybody ever been there? Don't lie. The rest of you lying. Like, you lying. And I remember a time in Austin about 10 and a half, 12, 12 13 years ago, and, and I was done. We're sitting in the middle of a three-night three revival, and 
and man, I'm just trying to do the do, and I'm trying to be there, and I really want to be spiritual, but I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm about as dry as the deepest wilderness and desert and the death valley, whatever you want to call it. I'm done, and I'm walking outside, and I'm going through the parking lot, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, go back in. And like, I'm done with you too. Like, I'm done. And I keep on walking, and he says it again, go back in. Dang it. And I go back in, and man, that night, the Holy Spirit just wrecks my heart. He reminds me of everything that he's done, and he reminds me of everything that he has kept me from while I was being me in my own stupidity for two and a half decades. And he didn't do it as a punishment. He didn't do it. He was just revealing how much grace he's had for me, and he's revealing how much more grace he has for me, which leads me to number seven. Number seven, he gives vision and supernatural guidance. Go to Acts 2, 17 and 18. I already told you that he will take, he will take from the Father, and the Father will give him everything, give you everything. Jesus will give you everything. The Holy Spirit will give you everything that the Father says, everything that's of Jesus. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And, my, and the, on men, my men's servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. The first, few th- first couple of things that Peter says in Luke documents is prophesy. He shall prophesy and have visions. The empowerment of God's grace post-salvation will give you vision and personal guidance for your life, supernatural guidance for your life. When you start to meet with the Holy Spirit, He'll begin to open your eyes. Little blinders will start to come off and things that didn't make sense before all of a sudden start to make sense. Direction and vision start to come in and be ever so clear for your life and it really starts to fine-tune your heart and your desires to pique your interest so that you're looking at the things that finally you're prepared to start to see in somewhat of a blur, but yet you know you're intrigued enough to go after it. And the Holy Spirit wakes something up inside of you and says there's a passion there, there's a purpose there, there's some things about that, that direction that I want you to go so that you can discover more of who I am in you and who you are in me. And all of a sudden, your little spidey senses come on and you start to go that direction. And everything that I do that is effective in my life comes from my time of devotion. This church came out of time of devotion and much confirmation with other pe- from other people who also, I know, have deep times of devotion. A business that my wife and I started three years ago coming out of sabbatical came from my time spending time journaling with the Lord. And he started giving me creative ideas and things to do that were not of my own. But I got some work to do. But it's his plan. And he gives me those guidance, those supernatural guidance moments as I spend time with him. He opens up my, my, my eyes, my ears, so I can start to see. And along the journey, it starts to make sense. But faith, those who by faith, and like Abraham, by faith, there's an internal knowing that says, this has got to be the way. And I start, he starts to build so much context that you can't even not go that way. This is, what Abraham, this is what God did with Abraham. I want you to leave your hometown, God said to Abraham. 
well, I need to know what's going to happen. I need to know when. Yeah, that, yeah, God's not in that. You can take your pros and cons list, and you can shove it down the toilet and flush it. Because there's going to be a lot of cons on the way of God's, God's path, but he's also going to bring all the pros to overcome it. And if you're afraid of the cons, then you'll never do anything great for God. You'll be very mediocre in your life. One day, there'll be people, you'll get to heaven. I don't even want to say this. It'll be a standing ovation. Great job, you did nothing. But when you lean into the empowering grace that provides vision and supernatural guidance, and you start to do things that are completely illogical, faith starts to turn human logic into illogic and faith becomes logic well, it doesn't make sense not to go that way well how are you going to provide for that I don't know I don't have to this is the direction he said to go it wakes some things up inside of you and it challenges your character all along the path too and without the Holy Spirit that character is never going to change you know, without a lot of grace, that character's not going to change. Because you're going to need it for others, and you're going to need it for yourself. So I'm going to give you four things that you will need so that you can receive and relate to the Holy Spirit. Number one, it's so easy. It's a free gift. Received by faith. And you have this sevenfold blessing of Abraham that's been provided through Jesus taking the curse and breaking sin over your life so that you could have access as Gentiles to this amazing blessing. But you'll need to see Holy Spirit as a person, and you'll need to see the Holy Spirit as a God. And every day, you'll need to relate to Him concerning everything in your life and he has an answer and he has God's perfect will for your life in every moment and he's going to give you some space to mess up and make a fool of yourself but he's going to love you right back into the sheepfold thank you Lord because I am a fool of stumbles so if you're here and you're like, I just would love to have that access, I want to give you an opportunity to receive that access. You don't need this moment. You can have a moment, but you need a moment like this. And this is just simply you saying, hey, Holy Spirit, as, my, as Luke eleven eleven says, if you ask, the Father will give. He's generous, and he'll give you the Holy Spirit so that you just receive by faith. It's that simple. He's not going to make you speak in another language. He'll allow you. He'll let you, but he ain't going to make you. It's not about that. It's about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit so that you can be a witness for Christ into all the earth. And when you really get to know the Holy Spirit, you can't not be a witness. So let me pray with you. And it's just this simple. Father, I thank you so much for the promises that flow through Abraham that have been provided by Jesus Christ on the cross who is set me free from the sins of my past who has broken the curse over my life and has given me access so I will be blessed in all things as my father in the faith Abraham was blessed 
So, Father, right now, I just ask that you pour out your spirit upon me. So pray this with me if you want. Holy Spirit, would you fill me up right now? Jesus, would you baptize me in the comforter, the helper, the counselor, the Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name I pray. Can he get a good amen? Come on.